Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings, come out and play. Now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome to a 1-4 in four edition of Believe in Vikings with BMAC and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with former left tackle for your Minnesota Vikings, Bryant McKinney. How's it going, man? I'm going pretty good. Could be doing better. Yeah, I'm going to guess that that has something directly to do with the Vikings losing again in dramatic fashion. Absolutely. <laughs> no good at all. All right, let's first talk about betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. For example, uh, the over-under for the Vikings and Falcons game this week is 54.5. So if you think this is going to be a shootout because both the defenses are, defenses are in bad shape, then go bet the over at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching prop bets, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Your Minnesota Vikings um, played Sunday night football, and they were, for about 55 minutes, the better football team. And they had a fourth-down decision that they made that we'll get into that did not go well, and ultimately they gave Russell Wilson a chance to win the football game, and that's exactly what he did. Um, so before we get into the nuts and bolts of what the hell happened there, um, what are your immediate reactions or takes on that Seahawks loss, Mr. McKinney? Watching the whole game, I was like, okay, like they're, you know, our rate winning there is very low, but they look like they're in pretty good control. I later on did see that Russell Wilson was like, come on, guys, we want to win this game. Like, he had the attitude like on that last drive that we're scoring, and <laughs> they did. But um, I felt like maybe things were starting to come together. I feel like the offense is still progressing. I feel like they're getting better still, getting points on the board. Um, I feel like the defense was starting to come along. But on that last drive, they just weren't holding it together. I feel like people were like a little – Tad off, and you know that's how he came up with the play. The had we won that game, which I still in my bones feel like we should have, we would have been two and three, headed to take mm-hmm. on the Falcons, who is a team in disarray, 
and very easily we could have been three and three heading into the bye week. So that is the most disappointing thing for me as a fan, as a de facto analyst, is that that game could have been the complete turnaround for a team that looks like it's starting to come together. And it feels like had it been any other quarterback besides maybe Mahomes or Wilson, perhaps Rodgers on a hot day, <laughs> that that game was there for the taking. And um, it's it's so strange to watch a Zimmer-led football team where you have to be nervous about the defense. Um, but that's just where we're at right now with these, this maturity on the fly that we're seeing, especially from the young secondary. Uh, one thing, Bryant, that they did absolutely marvelously was the time of possession. They had the ball for 39 minutes and change, and that was the most of any football game um, that Mike Zimmer has coached in his life. And uh, when a team has the ball for that long, it's, it should be automatic that you win the game. Right. I mean, that's yes. But think about it. I can tell that Seattle was making the most of their plays when they were, when they were on the field. You know what I mean? So a lot of times you have the time possession, that means you're running the ball good. Um, you're moving the downfield. And that's what you need, especially on the road. You need that type of movement. But uh, apparently they were striking down the field faster and, and making plays. And that's how they were able to still win without having the time possession to be in their favor. Yeah, they. It, there's only a handful of men in the world that can overcome that type of time of possession without complete, like, fluke plays. And this game really didn't have any – I'm talking about, like, blocked punts or kickoff returns in the last second, like Devin Hester-type stuff. I'm talking about Russell Wilson was able to say, that time of possession that you're proud of right now means nothing to me. Just give me the ball one more time, and that's all I need, and I'm going to find a way to win. Um, with right. that time of possession, the Vikings outrushed the Seahawks 201 yards to 124 yards, and that was with two running backs. So Dalvin Cook was his usual terrific self, and then uh, he had a groin tweak, and Alexander Madison came in, who is a different styled running back. He is more of a downhill dude. He's not as fast as Dalvin, uh, but he's he could start for so many teams in this league. It's scary. So... You can't really say that, oh, we lost Dalvin and everything went to hell, because it didn't. Um, Madison did just as well, especially in terms of putting a game on ice, um, except for the fourth down call. But because we were able to run the football, um, we dominated that time of possession, and it's so frustrating that the game plan <clears throat> worked. The game that Zimmer wanted to play going into Seattle was executed, and it just wasn't enough. Right. Um, and I feel like it was a good game plan. I feel like they were doing a good job executing. It just came down to the very end. And, um, you know, Seattle just found a way to, to, to win and with that last drive. It was a one-point game. Indeed it was. It was 27-26, and that's how uh, the Vikings left with their tails between their legs, unfortunately, for week five. Um, <clears throat> um, the, the most damning moment or moments was the third quarter uh Kirk Cousins had his worst throw as a member of the Vikings and I don't know <clears throat> I haven't watched enough Washington to tape to know how many bad throws he threw there but it was an interception that completely changed um the course of the game um and then it was followed up by a fumble of Cousins that was more of like an incomplete pass that turned out to be a fumble um that one isn't quite as much on him as the interception but I told my wife at, at how quickly that those turnovers happened 
Um, I could have like went to the gas station and got gas and come home, and all of a sudden the Vikings were losing. They were up thirteen nothing, and all. <laughs> lo and behold, uh, or was it fourteen nothing? Whatever the score was, um, the all of a sudden I should say the Seahawks led, and it, like it was in real life minutes. It was like twelve minutes. And it was the it, it's it, it's a testament to what you've talked about for six weeks now, Brian, about turnovers and how they just cannot be understated. Oh yeah, definitely. Because turnovers, like that's one of the main things in the locker room for us. Like when we go back and we watch the film and we go over like the different notes, the turnover rate. Uh, who has more turnovers? And when you get them, uh, you want your team, you want your offense to capitalize off of it because it should give you better field position and and things like that. So you want to capitalize and at least get three points. You want seven, but you want to get three off of a turnover. And that's exactly what the Seahawks did. They turned those two turnovers into 14 points and immediately changed the emotional feel of the game, the momentum. Um, thankfully, it, well, it, it had a feeling that it was going to be one of those games where the Vikings just laid over and died. Um, but they didn't do that, thankfully. They made it exciting. But I can tell you that, and anybody that's listening, that those turnovers, especially that cause and interceptions, absolutely changed everything. And those have to be avoided if this team wants to turn around, or even next year. We can't have those types of things consistently if they want to be a serious Super Bowl contending team. Um, I have to ask you about the hot-button topic of the fourth-and-one call. Um, I was absolutely flabbergasted that Mike Zimmer did not kick the field goal. However, I was not upset by it. I loved the move about five hours earlier. That's exactly how the Raiders beat the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is on fourth and one. They were up by eight points, and they went for it, got it, in the game. If you are a coach, or in this case, just a former player, were you okay with them going for it on fourth and one, but up by five points to put, put the game away? I, I, I am, and I would say that because I know when we play in the, as an offensive line unit, when you go for four from one, that lets the offense as well as the offensive line know that you have faith in them. You know what I'm saying? You have faith that they get there when you are. So it makes us feel like we got to do this because they got faith that we can get this. Like that's the kind of energy they should have. Like because that's how it makes you feel. So you know, I wasn't mad at it. Just like okay, I have faith in my team. I have faith in my boys. So yeah, we're gonna go for this four from one. So as a player, I wouldn't mind it because it just it tells your player a lot. Like it tells your players a lot. Yeah, and, how you for, feel about them. and for context, um, the Vikings were running the ball at will, and Zimmer even said after the game that he thought the Seahawks were tired, and that's why he pulled the trigger. Um, but knowing Zimmer and these six years and change uh, that he prides himself on the defense, I thought for sure, even though they haven't been great, that he would trust that defense to bring him home because that's what he always does. But uh, I think he wanted to capitalize on the steam of the ability to rush the football and maybe you know give this offensive line that has has run blocked pretty well uh, some confidence going forward. But this time it did not work. Um, is this the type of game from your experience as a player that devastates a season? Um, does it devastate a season? No. Uh, but now you. You definitely start to have to make some type of traction because now we are going into the game with six now. You know what I mean? So we're in the middle now of the second quarter, and you definitely have to like start making some type of traction now because your your time is a little thin, a little thinner now. 
Um, what did you dislike the most about the game aside from the final drive? Was there anything that stood out of that you wished we could do differently, or were you just overall pleased with the product besides the outcome? Um, I was. I felt like it was a good game. Um, it was just the outcome, really. Um, and then I just really wanted the defense to be able to hold in there a little longer. One last try. I always look at it as okay, we got this one series and really focus in and try to be mistake free, you know, things like that. But you know, things happen. And they certainly did. Um, another uh turning point in the game. Now, this was not a cause and effect relationship. I want to make that clear to our loyal listeners. But when Dalvin Cook tweaked his groin and left the game, from that moment on, everything changed. And I, it is not an insult whatsoever to the Vikings or to Alexander Madison because he was wonderful. But if you go back and watch that game, from that moment that Dalvin hobbled off, it was as if the Seahawks saw this door open and they went through it. And, I mean, that's when the interception happened. And it was almost like, you know, just this dire turning point that, uh, you know, things were going to go badly, which they did. I mean, I can take some sale out of somebody's, uh, you know, wind a little bit, like seeing one of the main players go down, you know what I mean? It gives them momentum and gives them hope, you know what I mean, as far as the opposing team. And then with the other guys, it can make them kind of down like, oh, I hope he's okay. You know, I, I in the college game when University of Miami played against Ohio State, when he got hurt, it was like a little bit of the wind came out of them. Their main running back got hurt, so you don't know really how it affects people. You know, yeah. people try to continue to go on and do their job, but it could take a little, like, and they could actually pick somebody else up, the other team up, because I feel like one of the main people are gone. Yeah, that it must have been like uh, like a nod and a wink or something because it seemed like Seattle realized, like, oh, okay, well, now we can capitalize on them because they're arguably their best player. One of their best player is out. And, again, that's not why the Vikings lost the game because uh, the replacement with Madison did just fine. But if you want to circle that moment, that's when things got – nasty another thing that i want to touch on um is we get lost at least in the feedback of the game or the analysis after the fact that fourth down decision we talk about that was it right or wrong blah 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 and then um, we focus on the russell wilson touchdown to dk metcalf um, which was a terrific throw and catch um to win the damn thing but there was a fourth and ten on that drive um which was our best chance to second best chance to win that game and Wilson converted with one of those moon balls or whatever they call them and Cameron Dantzler unfortunately got beat and DK Metcalf came down with it but that was such a pivotal moment in the game that would have ended it right there if they in the Vikings of old whether it was last year's defense or 2015's defense that would have been the moment in the game where they would have said enough's enough and I don't care if it's Russell Wilson or not that was uh, the type of play that the Vikings used to stiffen up on and not allow. Um, but that's where we're at with this young secondary is they're just letting some of these <laughs> big plays at the worst times go through. Uh, do you remember that fourth and 10 play, Bryant? Yeah. And that, and that's the problem too, is like it's fourth and 10. It's like, so I just, that's why I go to saying like certain uh, situations. I feel like if I really just focus in on this one play, I can get off the field. Like, you know, we're good, but um, then a play happens. So I've seen that, you know, a few times happen with teams. And uh, 
maybe there's somebody there's some of guys young back there and just a little bit more experience and they'll recognize things faster. Yeah, he'll uh Mr. Dantzler will definitely um learn from that one because that would have iced the game. And he was just out of position and he's a rookie and uh, he's shown uh, signs of promise. Um, and hopefully he'll uh, develop off of that play because that one would have ended the game, plain and simple. Um, does this season give you vibes like any other ones that you've played? You've mentioned 2008 before. Um, and so now the Vikings in this season are one in four. Um, do you have any, like maybe 2008 is the one, but you've seen five games now and I think every week I asked you, can this be turned around? Um, do you still have hope for this season? Um, I'm running out, yeah. <laughs> but, I still, but I still have some, but it's running, it's getting, uh, at this point because I mean, you were one and four and, uh, there has to be some type of streak that takes place where you're winning some consecutive games back to back to even get you to four and four or five and five, you know what I mean? So, and, and I really have to kind of rest of the schedule to see if I even feel that way. It's absolutely mandatory that a long winning streak takes place. Um, mm. And the Vikings are capable of those, even under Zimmer. Everybody will remember 2017 where they won, shoot, 11 in a row. But that is no longer something that can galvanize the team. It's mandatory if the Vikings um, want to reach the postseason and whatever seed they they can reach it. The silver lining is they've got <clears throat> two of the toughest opponents out of the way with the Titans, who look like the real deal, and, of course, the Seahawks, whose offense is the real deal. The defense isn't very good. Um, but after Green Bay, which takes place in two and a half, three weeks, depending on how you look at it, um, the schedule does start to soften up. Um, you, if you look at sure thing losses, uh, I'm not ready to call the Green Bay game a sure thing loss, but on paper it probably would be. Um, and then you have Tampa Bay um, later in the season in Tampa and then Christmas Day against a New Orleans team that will probably be, hell, be hell-bent on vengeance. But those are really the only three games remaining that are like, Ugh, I don't know if we can do that. The rest of the games, especially with Dak Prescott hurt um, against Dal uh, for Dallas, the rest of the games, if that version of the Vikings who showed up against the Seahawks um, shows up to play, they're winnable. It's just a matter of, like you talked about a few minutes ago, you're running out of hope because you simply can't lose more games. Like at the very maximum, you can probably lose three more and get into the playoffs. And it's a huge assumption to say like, Oh yeah, the Vikings will just win the next nine games and you know, lose or eight or nine games and only lose three uh, because you have to go out and actually win those games. You do. And, that, and that's, and that's hard. And then you're putting yourself in a bind at a certain point where if you get to six or seven losses, like you got to win the next to even try to, get a wild card into the playoffs at a certain point. So don't put yourself that far behind the ball. But um, just try to take one week at a time, try to get one week. I mean, you can only get one win a week. So try to just take one game at a time and focus on getting that win. Like, find a way to win. I'm with you. A couple other things to mention on the Seahawks before we start to unpack the Atlanta matchup is that this, there was no 12th man um, in Seattle, so this would have been the best time to beat Russell Wilson at his house. On, and we think we, sh we showed ourselves why, um, because we very well, easily, could have beat them at the end there with one stop or one mm -hmm. fourth down conversion. 
So that's probably about as easy as, as it's going to get to beat them in their building with this version of Russell Wilson. On the other, se- other side of that coin is that <clears throat> the Vikings showed that they belong in football games with the NFL's elite teams. That team is the cream of the crop for the NFC. The Packers would probably disagree a little bit, um, but that Seahawks team is going to be there late in the playoffs, and the Vikings hung with them, played better than them most of the game, so I don't think that this Vikings team is one that's you know going to go 3-13. and 13. And we've seen years like that. Thankfully, they haven't happened recently. Um, but I got a sense of belonging there, especially with the Titans game too, that uh, Minnesota is going toe-to-toe with these damn good teams, and they don't look like morons. You said that they don't like morons. No, they they don't look like morons. They're go- these teams that are undefeated. They're taking them to the brink, and I think that gives me pause to know that you know they belong there. Uh, we're not getting our butts kicked. Yeah, that's true. I do feel like they're hanging in there, and a lot of teams that they have played and lost to are like some of the top teams that will be in the playoffs. But I mean, with that being said, is like, would you get to the playoffs and lose to these teams too? Like. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I get it, but I mean, you still got to win. Yeah, it doesn't make any damn bit of good if you, uh, you know, if you're like, well, we can get in the playoffs. We just can't play any good teams when we get there. <laughs> you know, uh, the other, <clears throat> the other weird stat there is that the Seattle Seahawks <clears throat> did not convert a third down at all against the Vikings. They were 0 for 7, and somehow they still won. So the Vikings on third down are improving defensively. Um, and it's just bizarre that Wilson and the Seahawks did not convert a single third down, and they still won the game. Now on, yeah. <clears throat> on to the Falcons. This is a team that is in turmoil. Um, one thing I've, I've said, I think I said to you in our preview show of this season is that uh, the Falcons are – Maybe like the char. Like I used to feel about the Chargers. They're a team that can come out in a season and go four and twelve or twelve and four, and it's not surprising either way. And that's a really weird tendency. Um, now they are zero and five. It was the last draw for their uh, their leadership. They they fired their coach who took them to the Super Bowl in twenty sixteen. Um, so now Dan Quinn is no longer with the Falcons. Um, they fired their general manager as well. So they will be, you know, searching presumably in the offseason for their new coach. And we don't know if they'll go to the college ranks or what they'll do. Um, but they are in a team where they're, <clears throat> the Vikings are playing in a team that's hit its bottom. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Bryant? They have their bottom, and we got to now have a response. So actually, this is kind of a week where it can be either or. Um, with Atlanta responding, you know, in a good way, saying, okay, let's, you know, fight for this coach that we have here now or Atlanta just saying, hey, let's just focus on next season. I don't know what energy they'll give. We'll just have to see them um, come Sunday. Um, Vikings need to go out here with the attitude of we're winning regardless. This is the team that is 0-4, 0-5, whatever. And uh, they're they're coming to visit you, so they got to travel and all those type of things. And just really just try to get a win. Like you, you, You've been knocking on the door for a win for – you got one out of Houston, but it's like they're coming close with Tennessee, came very close with Seattle. Can we just get a win? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this one has to be a win. Otherwise, things will get very nerve-wracking because if you lose to an 0-5 team, um, <clears throat> I don't care if they have Matt Ryan or Julio Jones, 
the the media is going to be over it. The fans are going to be all over it. And if the Vikings lose this game, I will tell you here and now that all hell will break loose <clears throat> because uh, you just played Seattle well. <clears throat> the Falcons just fired their coach. The Falcons are zero and five. You're gonna you're playing them at home. <clears throat> this will be close to a doomsday scenario if the Vikings get beat on Sunday. Oh, definitely will be. So I mean, I feel like the Vikings fans are looking at okay, we should win this game. However, like you say, we still got to play, so we got to see how this unfolds. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, we do have some good things going for us. Um, Zimmer has never lost to the Falcons or Matt Ryan. The Vikings are 4-0 against the Falcons, and that's even when they have been good. Um, the Falcons have those weird down years, but um, when the Vikings have beat them, I think the worst record they ever had ultimately was finishing 6-10. and So just kind of like uh, Zimmer has had Drew Brees' number, He's never had a problem with the Falcons, so we have that going for us. Um, it would be a hell of a year for them to all of a sudden beat the Vikings, um, but they need the Vikings need to win to get some momentum because their bye week is the next week. If they go into their bye week one and five, I mean, it's just scary to think uh, the, the outlook because then they're heading to Green Bay the week after that, and I, I keep saying that all these games are so pivotal, and they are to a degree. But this one will be pivotal if they lose. Um, I, I shudder to think what would happen. Yeah, no one's going to talk about we won five. I mean, my week's going to be cut short because you want to stay there and go for plays and stuff too. But uh, one five, not a great feeling. Um, yeah, this has been a tough part of the season. It has. Um, and we talked with uh, Ray Edwards not long ago, and he talked about, you know, sometimes down years happen. We very well could be in the midst of that, and we're just being too optimistic and thinking it'll be turned around. But, you know, time will tell. Um, <clears throat> Atlanta hasn't really done anything well. Uh, I tried to find some strengths on them, and I couldn't find any aside from name recognition of Julio Jones, who we don't even know if he's playing. And then, of course, Matt Ryan was an MVP about four seasons ago. Uh, Ray Edwards doesn't think he's very elite, um, um, and that's fine and dandy. Uh, but normally, Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, kind of what like Ray was saying. Um, so we know that they are capable, talent-wise, of having a good game. It's just whether or not they choose to do it with a new coach in a building they have not fared well in, and that is U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing to look at is that we could be without Dalvin Cook. Um, He's questionable. The early reports were that they were just going to rest him and get him healthy for the bye week. But then he kind of said right the day after that, like, whoa, 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 we're going to see how this goes because I think I can play. Um, How much does this offense change, do you uh, believe? How much does this offense change when Dalvin is not the feature back? I think um, the the main back, the feature back isn't available. In your mind, you do feel like, okay, I do have to try my best to block a little harder. Like, you know what I mean? Just you feel like you have to give extra try to like to compensate from you know somebody who may not be missing. Not saying that you're not giving extra all the time, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're going in there with like a mindset of to really try to help the person, you know, stay in his place. That I'm, I'm going to have a little bit more. I'm going to make sure I'm downfield. I'm going to make sure it's another. Um, just because you know, with the other guy there. They probably will be able to get through some tackles downfield or whatever, but it's it's just not everybody has to step their game up a, a little bit more without you know one of the key players there. 
Yeah, and I think that could be put on Kirk Cousins' shoulders. Um, he's due for a just a really sweet game. Uh, statistically, he usually has one in the month of October. This would be the perfect time for it. And then the other thing is Alexander Madison filled in uh, just terrifically, uh, so to speak, um, against the Seahawks. It didn't even feel like the offense missed a beat. I mean, uh, Madison was just a battering ram. And normally what I would say about the Vikings offense is that with Madison, you're getting a different style of running back because he's more of a downhill runner that's not as fast as Dalvin. And Dalvin is this pass-catching, you know, bowling ball as well. Um, But I usually say that, but the Vikings offense hasn't showcased Dalvin with the passing game very much this year for some reason. I don't know why. Nobody knows why. Uh, But in that circumstance... Madison really shouldn't be that much of a drop-off from Dalvin because we're not throwing Dalvin the ball in the first place. So we all of a sudden probably won't use Madison as a pass-catching back. But if we're not doing it for Dalvin, then it should there should be some seamless feel about it in terms of uh, the interchangeability. Uh, I mean, you like Madison, don't you? Yeah, I like Madison as well. But I just know that um, teams... And I, I just know from even my perspective at one time when I was playing... I was injured, <laughs> hurt, injured, whatever, where probably I maybe shouldn't have been. Yeah. So I'm saying I was injured. I was injured. However, the coach was like, but your presence out there, it does more, like, just kind of see if you can fight through it. And I did it. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes somebody's presence alone, because y'all, we're not, they're not going to always put out what the real injury is or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, so my presence being there could could make a difference. Just my presence, even though I might not be able to play, I'm saying it's my presence out there because they know what my potential could be. That can, that can probably help me. So that's how I see it for that, um, for them. But I mean, yeah, definitely, um, you know, back up, just you're trying to make a, a name for yourself. Yeah. And I think Madison could do that. <clears throat> I think uh, Madison, like for instance, you could put him, on the Kansas City Chiefs, just erase the fact that he plays for the Vikings. I'm not talking about trading him or anything. But if he was drafted this year, let's say, by the Chiefs, you could put him in that offense, and instantly he would be this top 10, top 12 running back. He's that talented, and mm-hmm. um, he's just, you know, has the semi-unfortunate duty of sitting behind Dalvin for however long. Um so we're not going to f- see this huge drop-off from Dalvin to right. Madison. Um, but I will tell you certifiably that Dalvin Cook is faster. Um, so he has a lot uh, more breakaway speed um, where mm. where a guy like Madison is maybe a little stronger. Dalvin might disagree. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see. A couple other interesting notes. Um, the Vikings have played three out of the four NFL teams that are undefeated. So... There's the Packers, the Titans, the Seahawks, and the Steelers. The Vikings have played 75% of those teams, so uh, they've had an uphill battle, not making excuses, but trying to give you some shed some light on why this uh, thing has gone one and four to start. So they've had a difficult schedule, and in a couple of those games, they played damn well. So damn, <clears throat> pretty damn good. In terms of strength of schedule, the two teams with the uh, most tricky schedules to start this season are the Atlanta Falcons, who have the toughest schedule so far through five weeks, and the Minnesota Vikings. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fitting that these two teams will get to beat up on each other because the opponents that they've played thus far have been pretty pretty supreme. Um, 
Now you, I did my homework for usual, and you played the Falcons five times in your career, sir. Do you have any memories about playing in Atlanta or just versus the Falcons in general? I remember it being like pretty good games. I remember when they had Michael Vick. I remember when um, I remember playing a few of the games. I remember playing at the Metrodome. I remember playing in Atlanta. Um, I just feel like those teams they had a good defense back then. Uh, a couple of times when I played them. Um, nothing really like sticks out though, but I do remember nothing jumps out having physical. Yeah, they had physical line. Yeah, um, the first time you ever played them was that game that Michael Vick in two thousand two um had the overtime touchdown that walked off mm-hmm. the Vikings. That one that they show highlights for all the time. Do you uh, do you have memories of that game? Right, the one they showed time the two Vikings players running to each yep. other as they tried to tackle him. Yep. Yeah, I'm trying, seen that a bunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to erase that memory. <laughs> yeah, uh, for, I, do, for, I remember that game. Um, and that was young Michael Vick was only his second year in the league. Um, but no, not too much. They weren't a team that I've seen a lot, but I mean, I, I, I remember had my fair share of you know times going against them. Yep, uh, you sure have. Yeah, for some reason, uh, it's like a prerequisite. Um, whenever the topic is Michael Vick, like even if he, not even when he's playing the Vikings, or at least not even when they're doing Vikings memories with the Falcons, they probably will show it this Sunday. I bet they. If you're talking about Michael Vick on NFL television, his career, they show that highlight. And I remember being, gosh, 19 years old, and my friend uh, Tarek, his <laughs> basement, and. Uh, Watching that unfold, thinking, oh, my God. And, uh, yep, it wasn't pretty. So, yeah, that would have been your rookie season, I believe, and that was the first time that you ever uh, played the Falcons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Other dudes that were in the league when you played, uh, Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, Alex Mack, Julio Jones, and James Carpenter. Have you ever crossed paths with any of those dudes? Not outside of football. No. Uh, Did you ever play against Julio? Or at least on the same field, I guess? I want to say at the Ravens, we played them, I want to say in a preseason game or something like that. Oh, okay. Might have been like the only time. Oh, okay. All right, so well, here, here's, the, here's the stakes. The Vikings have a bye week after this game. They play at noon uh, Central Time at U.S. Bank Stadium. Still no fans. The Vikings are 1-5. The Falcons, or excuse me, the Vikings are 1-4. The Falcons are 0-5. Um, whatever, whichever team loses this game, um, is certifiably in the basement for this season. And I'll say that even if it's for the Vikings, um, because you really can't climb out of a five loss hole unless you plan to run the table. And, you know, if the old cliche is you're as good as your record says you is, uh, says you are, you're probably not going to start running tables at, uh, Falcons case 0 and 6 or the Vikings 1 and 5. So I hope the Vikings don't take this game for granted um, because it is against a team that's perceived as bad that will have a new coach. Um, Yeah, so they just have to go out and execute and then hit their bye week. And if they do leave that game 2-4, and they'd head to Green Bay, um, presumably uh, thinking about evening getting their record close to even at three and four, and then starting to get into the generous part of the schedule that has the Lions twice, the Bears twice, even though they're not very generous, uh, the Jaguars, the 
Cowboys without Dak Prescott and just games that are more winnable than the ones that we've seen in these first five weeks. So that is, those are, that's the state of play. Um, we talked to Ray Edwards and he said that he thinks the Vikings will win by a touchdown. Um, Mr. McKinney, what is your prediction for this game? I can say the Vikings will win by 10. Okay. Um, guess what my theory last week trying to go against him didn't work. But uh, I really feel like they can win by 10. So I feel like there'll be a lot of I feel like the Falcons will give a hard fight. So I can see it being like a 10-point game. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit different, not not crazy-like. Um, I know that there is a school of thought that says that this team will play harder for the replacement coach and all that. That's fine and dandy. I don't believe it I, um, right now. I think the Vikings are looking for a game to prove that they're better to have some semblance of revenge for the Seahawks game. Um, I've watched Mike Zimmer seemingly own Matt Ryan for the better part of six years. So I think this is a game where the Vikings win convincingly to start to turn this thing around. Not saying they're going to go win a Super Bowl, but to make them respectable and flirt with the idea of getting the playoffs. So I am going to say Vikings 38, Falcons 17. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a, it's a pretty wide margin, um, but I'm willing to put my uh, reputation there on the line. Uh, any closing thoughts for you, big man? No, but just hope we come back next week in better spirits. Yep. We. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll be. We'll have a, a bye week show, so we'll talk about some of the more broad topics and maybe preview a little bit um, of the Packers. I haven't decided if we're going to do two shows in two weeks or just stick to the one. Uh, we'll get back on our fan segment. Um, we we swapped that out for Ray Edwards this week. Um, we'll have uh, Kara. She'll join us. She's a Vikings fan and has been for a very long time. Um, but other than that, the Vikings have a chance to get to 2-4 and four, uh, this weekend. Um, and if you don't have anything else, uh, Bryant, uh, we will carry this thing out and skull Vikings. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.